A brave leader goes beyond just being fearless. Being authentic, compassionate, and inclusive can help you challenge negative thoughts. Catastrophizing means that you can overcome your fears and become more courageous in your decision-making. Asking, is it true? Is something that Monique Carriol will lead us through. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the Practical Leadership Podcast, where I interview great leaders and try to extract their wisdom and experience for you to learn from and hopefully avoid making their mistakes. Check out practical-leadership.academy because you want to help your new managers succeed with hybrid or remote working. Monique Carriol, it's wonderful to have you here. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for the invite, Paul. Would you be so kind as to introduce yourself? Yeah, so you said my name already. I'm Monique Carriol. I'm a leadership coach and consultant and uh, run Your New Avenue. And we specialise in supporting you to be brave. So supporting people and organisations in how to lead bravely. Um, I describe that as building a movement of bravely. Brave leaders. We need more of them, frankly. We need more courage. And I don't necessarily mean going out in there and picking a fight. But we certainly need more courage to face some challenges that we are on, where we're all, we're all coming across these days, whether it's economic or social or demographic or whatever it is out there. Wait, go into a bit more detail about braveness then. Yeah, so, yeah, so I like to keep things simple. And I think it's why we hit off when we had our pre. Yeah, I'm a very uh, simple guy. Not, yeah, not to like, about you, of course, you're eminently complex and wonderful, but yeah, come on. So, and I think brave, brave leadership encompasses, we hear a lot about authentic, leading authentically, compassionate leadership, inclusive leadership. Um, and I think that being brave and even courageous, the word you used, I think being brave encompasses all of that and boils it down because to, to put that into practice. So as a leader, as an emerging leader, if you're thinking, well, how, you know, all of those things require bravery to put them into practice. Um, to lead in that manner. So I talk about building a movement of brave leaders. I see that as my purpose because it's not just about me explaining what it is. This is about supporting people to lead bravely. So you build that movement. I see the vision as we have a global movement of brave leaders who are learning how to lead bravely, building that confidence, dealing with the fear, you know, in 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 facing that is the word I want to use actually facing it, facing it down, but then also enabling and equipping others to lead bravely. So we have that snowball effect. And I keep that simple by saying we're building a movement of brave leaders. One of the best ways of making sure you learn something, I think, is teaching somebody else. Absolutely. And so, teach, not tell, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. teaching. I mean, teaching's a thing. Um, if it's interesting, you go to, uh, we, we go, I go, go to church and we have pastors. You go to the synagogue and they have rabbis. A pastor mm-hmm. is somebody who looks after the, the flock. The rabbi, teacher. That's the difference here. We have teachers. And if we think of ourselves as teachers, good teachers, and that's not standing up in front of the class and saying, repeat after me. Who are she? But genuinely engaging with the audience, the students, the children, the, the, the people around us, and helping them to inculcate a new way of being, practice mm-hmm. it, and then pass it on. That is how you build a movement. So how's yeah, it building going? I think to add to that, Paul, I think it's, the, it's how you build the movement. But I also very much focus on the, that word support. 
because once you teach the how, there's something about then supporting supporting leaders on that journey to continue being brave because you will hit roadblocks you'll hit barriers we're going to talk about some of those right Mm. um so you can feel empowered and equipped and you're ready to run through the wall you know but actually that and that's why I love coaching because you're able to support people on the journey as they are working through it as things may show up as you wobble because that happens as well you know so encouraging and supporting are two really important factors for me as a coach and how I work with leaders. You talk about helping people on the journey there as well. I think when you get onto this, the you get into the mindset that you're not trying to achieve specific goals. You're just trying to, you're trying to make the most of the journey that you're on. Um, and it's the, the goals versus system mindset thing, I think is quite important as well. And being able to cope with not hitting specific goals as a way of life, but building a system of life courage bravery comes comes a lot more important yeah and i think there's an opportunity to connect so connecting your goals to as you say building your system yeah so so something i use um something an approach i use working with leaders especially leaders working in busy complex challenging environments so let's deal with the reality right of the leaders that we're working with and what they're facing I think being able to support them to take steps you know to chunk it down as you're building your system what are those tools I use that language a lot what are the tools in your support box toolbox that can help you um because that's that's building your system that's building your approach isn't it this is my approach to leading bravely these are the different tools I have so the goals can almost turn into identifying the tools, feeling, building some confidence to start using them, reflecting on how it went. And we build it and build it until you, you, you feel more confident in that muscle and it becomes, oh, I just jump into the toolbox without thinking about it. I think if you think about the difference between goals, systems and the bravery piece here, it's like, uh, let's say you're going to learn to play the guitar and you're going, your goal to learn it is you're going to perform it at your cousin's wedding in six months' time. So you want to do play the, play the guitar in six months' time. Now, is that a goal? Or are you becoming a systematically encouraged musician? And so is it, what's the difference between the, the, the goal and the system in that case? How do you take this brave mind approach? I don't know, the mindset? I don't really like the word mind. The, the, the approach of bravery, of courage, and actually put it into place. The tools are learning how to read music. The tools are learning the chords. The tools are learning to stand up and be brave in front of people. And the goal is, well, to enjoy the journey. I'm not entirely sure. I think if if I took what you were explaining there, I hear to enjoy the journey, but also because you want to you want to perform and give a good performance at your cousin's wedding. So the goal is to maybe feel confident enough because I think enough is an important word. You may never feel you know ten out of ten in terms of your confidence, but you feel confident enough. You feel you know what your tools are that if you need to dip into them, and you feel able to do that. And I think that would be your goal. And and I think it's important to speak about that as well, because I know you focus on supporting new and emerging leaders and managers. And actually, I speak with so many people who don't step forward into leadership or management because they think they're not perfect. They think they haven't worked something out. They don't know how to deal with their fear or doubt. So they just shy away from all of it. And, and I think it, it's really helpful when current senior leaders speak about their fears and failures because it helps people to realize oh 
I can still step up. I can still step into a more senior role, even if I'm still a work in progress. Of course you can, because we never get rid of our fears. It's about how we deal with them. It's about how we manage. So speaking about them, I think helps people to realize, oh, you know, it it is normal to have them. What you want in your toolbox, though, is how do I deal with them when they pop up? All right. Well, let's go there. Mm -hmm. How do I deal with them when they pop up, Marie? So one of the things that one of the approaches that I encourage is about chunking it down. So two parts to that. I think we're all familiar, many people be familiar with, usually the fear in your mind is much worse than the reality. Um, We can magnify and catastrophize the fear. I would always encourage you to go there, you know, to actually lean into it. Go to what is the worst thing that can happen? Go all the way to the end. Visualize it, feel it, which can be deeply uncomfortable. But I encourage you to do that because if you get there and you go, okay, this this is bad. I don't want to feel this, but I could deal with it. If it happens, I could deal with it. Just step forward because it may not happen. But if it does, you've gone there and you know that you can deal with it. You know a way out of it, your solution, if it happens. And I'd encourage you to write that down as well. So when the catastrophe blows up in your mind, you remember, hold on a minute. This does happen. I know what to do. What can also happen? You go there and you think, "Mm, if this did happen, I'd be really stuck. I'd be really overwhelmed. I wouldn't know what to do. Question there then is, is there support or is there anyone who could help you? So if it does go there and you can't manage it, can someone help you? So what's the help you need and can you access that? The third scenario is actually it's something really awful and you really don't want to go there and you just won't be able to recover it if that happens. The second question I ask there then, is it really true? You know, so Paul, is it really true? Is that really going to happen? Now, if it is, let's edge in a bit. So let's not go all the way to the end. Could we go to the middle? Would we be okay there? we can start to step forward. So if the, the the fear in your mind feels like something I just would never recover from, okay, can we pull it back? Can we get to a point where you feel you can step forward or you know that you can get some help and support? So what I'm saying there is go to the worst that can happen, understand it, see if you can face it down or not. If you can't, bring yourself in a bit more. But once you've worked that out, start to step forward. So chunk it down is the second piece of advice. Chunk it down. Because the big thing that you're looking at is too big. You know, the people say eat the elephant one one bite at a time. It's almost that. Chunk it down. Because if you can chunk the steps down, usually you can feel a bit of confidence to start moving forward. And as you move forward, sometimes that starts to dispel or quieten the fear (laughs) that was absolutely massive in your mind. So what's the worst that can happen? chunking it down that's wonderful i like that leaning into the fear is something i've heard quite a lot because we do i think as as humans we we catastrophize we we're we're not irrational anybody who tells you otherwise has no idea about reality we are a rationalizing species we make random ass decisions based on our basket case contexts of our heads on 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 our ability to mind read other people's motivations and intentions none of which exists none of which is real and then we make concrete Post decision rationalization saying, Well, I'm doing this thing because of these following three reasons. No, you're not. You're not. You're lying to yourself. The catastrophizing thing, I think, is, is huge. There's a lovely line, I think it's Roosevelt, maybe, or one of those presidents or something, which is things are never as bad as they seem. Mm. And they're never as good. I <laughs> well, if you want to have that pragmatic <laughs> way of approaching it. Oh, this is going to be amazing. Actually, no, it's probably going to be okay. This is going to be terrible. 
no, it's probably not going to be brilliant, but it's not going to be the end of the world. I'm never the optimist. I am. That's why oh, yes, I love absolutely. Skeptical the... optimist. I'm a skeptical optimist. But actually, I think it's a it's a it's a helpful way of tempering sometimes, isn't it? To kind of go, it's going to usually fall somewhere, yes. somewhere in the middle of here. Um, I think that if we were really boiling it down, okay. So like when you were saying, you hear a lot about catastrophizing. A question that just cuts through that is the one I was saying. You know, use your own name. So, Paul, is it true? Is it really true? Because it will just challenge your thinking to go, is that thought that's run away with you? Is it really true? Because if it's not, just let it go. In the same way that it popped into your mind, just let it drop out. Because you've told you it's not true. If we didn't, if we knew truly how powerful our thoughts were, we would never have another negative thought in our life. (laughs) So true. We deal with reality, though, don't we? About the minds can go everywhere, yeah. and I think that's you why control it. you have to control. You control it. You focus. In this, yeah, because we, we catastrophize. And, and, so many people catastrophize, like you said, and it stops. It stops. So many valuable voices stepping up, and then you get so many other voices on the other side of the scale who do step up and the bloody shouldn't. Well, it goes back to what we were speaking about, wasn't it? About brave leadership in action. Yeah. What I'm saying about leading bravely. Leading bravely is being able to challenge yourself first and foremost you know to go actually I'm going to let that voice go it's not true and as you say and if it's if it's holding me back from speaking up I'm going to put my thought out there you know and see what happens really is a good word I like that is it Paul is it really true is it true oh yeah yeah is it really true it's good it's very powerful it's a nice it's a nice word I, I, I use it when you're talking to somebody and you simply say how are you I'm fine Mm. How are you really? Oh, well, you know, and you just cut through some of the noise. You cut through the the the, the veneer that we paste on top of everything, and you get a little bit closer to the reality. Like you try, like you said, it's just a, it's a powerful word. I, like I think it. what you just said there, Paul. I mean, you've given me a beautiful segue. I don't know if you realise that, but what you just said there, asking that question, but how are you really? Um, is another is a key thing for me about leading bravely you know knowing where your people are at and how they're feeling so whoever you're responsible for whoever you're leading whether that's directly or indirectly please know where your people are at and how they're feeling and one of the simple ways of doing that is what you just said there how are you really you know managers and leaders can shy away from that especially when you're in a difficult challenging environment I my career was in the NHS was always challenging. It's more challenging than ever post pandemic. And shying away from that question because you think, well, I know everybody's on their knees. I know people are tired. I know people are fed up. I know people are angry. You know, you hide away from it. But actually, more important than ever to lean into that question. How are you feeling? What do you think? You know, what do you think about what's going on? What do you think about this change that we're proposing? You know, what do you think about how things have been in the last six months? You may not want to hear it because it may be hard, mm. but actually that's part of your responsibility. You can't be sitting in an ivory tower making decisions when you don't understand the people who you're responsible or, uh, and accountable for, how they're feeling and what they think about the changes you're trying to make. I think if you don't actually ask the question, it's because you don't want to know the answer. Uh, as I said, I like to encourage and support. So mm-hmm. my my approach is in that, well, if you're going to lead bravely, you have to know the answer. Yeah. 
Yeah, you have to know the answer. And it's then about, okay, how do I deal with or respond or react to what I'm being told there? And that step of the first step, though, is to listen to understand. So just understand it. Am I hearing you right? You know, empathize with what you're hearing. Check your understanding on it. You don't have to defend or respond or react in that moment. Check your understanding and then consider how am I going to respond to this? And I think sometimes, again, I know, oh, been in the hot seat many a time as a senior leader, you know, as a board member, when you're almost jumping out of your seat before the person has finished speaking and trying to pull yourself back and go, no, let me really listen here. Not just jumping on some of the words I heard or feeling defensive because they've they've queried or questioned or challenged what we're trying to do. No, let's just sit back and really listen and connect and understand what's going on here. It's very hard to do and it's very uncomfortable, but it's so powerful in how it helps you to lead people and to drive change. I mean, I think a large part of a large part of coaching is just awareness. Most people aren't aware of some behavior or something or or, or their own potential. And if you go along and you've got a key and you just go actually click click, you, you can do this. Can I? Yes, you can. Gosh, all right then. Or when you do this, this is the impact to help me understand. And you go, oh gosh, I never realized I did that. And I certainly didn't realize there was an impact. So therefore, I'll, my behavior will change. On the other side of this, as you're talking, it's, I think, listening is empathy. Active listening is empathy. It's being not able to say to someone, help me really understand what's going on here. How are you? Really? And letting them speak, letting them feel heard. Mm. Not alone. Whether you do anything with that knowledge or not, ideally you would if you could fix them. But just the act of listening itself is, is, is therapeutic. But connecting on there, Paul, what you said, um, if you if you're unable to do anything about what's been shared or what beats what's been requested, I think then having the courage to be honest about that, you know, um, something I I. I share, and it's from my experience of um, being an executive director, is people may not like what you say, but they will usually respect your honesty and, and being able to be honest to say, I can, I hear what you're explaining. Unfortunately, I'm unable to change anything about that. And this is why people will usually respect that you've been honest in that moment. You don't need to overpromise to to lead people well. It's better to be honest and say, look, this is where we are right now. I know it's not what you want to hear, but I think it's better that I tell you the truth. People will usually respect that. They know where they stand then. Yeah, it's going to be 40 years in the wilderness. I'm awfully sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but that's the way of it. You know? so. Yeah, um, being able to say you don't know. So uh-huh. being able to say you don't know as a leader. Um, <laughs> it's not something you can get away with all the time because it's not you, you yeah. need to know your job. But there are moments. And I think about in the pandemic when, um, you know, I tell this story, I've told this story before, being in the pandemic when we'd have Boris on the lectern doing the public address in the evening and he'd be setting new policies and plans that would affect NHS colleagues, you know. And the next day we'd have an all-staff call and staff would be saying, okay, well, what's going on? We heard this, we heard that. And we'd be like, we heard it at the same time you heard it. So it's not that we're not going to act on it, but we haven't been able to change the policy overnight. We have to go away now and get the the subject leads to have a look at that and understand it and wait for the guidance to come down. And 
of course, people were deeply frustrated and worried and scared, you know, mm. but we had to be able to say that, look, this is the situation. So sometimes having to be honest and say, we don't know, this is why we don't know, but this is what we're doing to try and address it or to try and understand it or to try and move it forward. Sometimes you have to be the person who has to say that and explain that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, maybe it's a good argument for not quite making things up as you go along. Well, you, you just get found out. You just get found out. So being able to be honest, finding that, building that muscle, because that's what I say about chunking it down, isn't mm. it? It's getting used to doing that and also asking that question after. How do you feel about what I've just said? Yeah. Right. So I think it's just get, equipping leaders with that. It's okay to say you don't know if that's the truth. What you then do is go and find the person who does know (laughs) or or what it is you need to happen. In approaching courageous leadership, brave leaders, what is there anything there that you would like to thank your, I'll rephrase that, where you are now with your drive and your purpose to build a movement of brave leaders? Was there something that you've had, something you've gone through uh, in your past, something that your younger self did well, that you're grateful for, that has led you to this? Um, Asking for advice. That sounds really simple, but something that's always stood me in good stead. When feeling ready to step up to the next level, I was promoted. There were times in my career where I jumped quite quickly into senior roles. So I started off as a PA and ended up in a boardroom. So I jumped quickly at steps and I always asked advice. I asked advice of my managers. I asked advice of my directors. I asked advice of other seniors around me. Um, You know, what would you advise me to do? What's the best, you know, what's the best piece of advice you could give me? What's the one thing you tell me never to do? I'd always ask that advice. And um, so much of that stood me in good stead. And sometimes you're in a moment and that advice pops into your head. You know, I mean, you're in the moment and your heart starts beating because you don't know what to do. And and that advice will just come through. The advice about listening, you know, that came from a senior saying to me, don't jump up and down in the first month of your new job. Go and speak to your team and listen. Just listen to what they're saying to you. Take it all in and then sit down and look at what you need to prioritize you know and it's you're so quick you want to jump off the mark isn't it you want to prove that you can manage at this level you stepped up especially if you're promoted internally which I was but actually that one of the best pieces of advice I ever had was just listen and it's why I then have added to that how do I explain that a little bit more to make it practical and that's the bit about listening to understand not to defend and respond and trying to share that more because it's one of the most game-changing pieces of advice I had as an emerging leader, definitely. Listen to understand. There you go. What's the most recommended book, podcast, movie, thing? (laughs) What is the one thing? Oh, my goodness. That's one. There's so many. There's so many books that I recommend. You can can have a couple. Um, But one of the books that I, one of the books, there's two books that I recommend that I really love because you'll notice I like practical. (laughs) I like positive energy. um, And I like books that empower. So um, Spike, um, What Are You Great At? So it's called Spike and it's got a subheading, What Are You Great At? But Spike by Rene Cariol and The Promise of Giants by John Amici. Both of those are go-to, go-to, go-to books and really talk about the how um, of what some of what I'm touching on, but they really are um, both inspiring leaders, but 
really boil it down about how, um, you know, how to lead well and how to lead based on your strength. I like that. And on that, where, just as we wrap up, where can people find you? Best place to find me is LinkedIn, um, Monique Cario. Um, and also we are, I think at the time your podcast goes out, we'll be launching our new website. So yournewavenue.com. Um, and I'll also share, I'm co-founder of the Bravery in the Boardroom movement. So talking about building a movement of brave leaders. I've also co-founded a movement which is really focusing on seeing more diversity in the boardrooms. We want to see boardrooms more representative of communities and staff they serve. So I will share that link for you as well. Marvellous. Then, Monique Carrigal, thank you very much indeed for joining. Thank you, Paul. It's been a great conversation. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining me today. Your homework is to leave your five-star review and please, any comments you have, you really help me to improve every day. And it also helps people to discover me online. You should check out practical-leadership.academy because you want to help your new managers succeed with hybrid or remote working.